Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Patrick, I'd like you to meet Michelle Arntz. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Patrick. So, Michelle, um, I met you you just a month ago at the Business Giving Roundtable at the Santa Barbara Foundation, where you talked about as a small business person, your whole approach to giving back to the community and, and kind of through your story, inspire other businesses to give back. I was impressed. Oh, you're very kind. I actually met you there the second time because mm. you may forget that we also met at Fast Pitch. Ah, uh, yes. yes, yes. So Fast Pitch is the Santa Barbara activity where nonprofits uh, get to, they get coached up and then get to present. And Seth Streeter uh, runs that with a whole bunch of other, I mean, there's a Wonderful whole. Wonderful people. A hundred people behind that. So you run Recipes, Organic Bakery, and Gifts, yes, which is in that, um, what is it, a hundred-year-old building? Yes, the building's a hundred years old, and it looked a hundred years old when I took it over, <laughs> actually. Yeah, probably, right. But I love old buildings, and I love history. And it Why is was, that? When, how's that? You know, When did I, that start? I, from the time that I was very young, my parents for family vacations and whatnot loved to take us around to places that had a lot of history and we would jump in a car or occasionally a plane and just go and see. And so I've always just, it's, it's even not just about the history, it's about a feeling I get when I hmm. am in buildings that have been around a long time. I just really love them. So we tried to keep everything the same as much as possible. Um, and it's turned out really beautifully. And so we're tell happy me what, there. tell me the, um, if we go look on the website, there's this Australian flavor. What, yes. Tell me about that. Um, my husband's family immigrated some, most of them to Australia, and he was the only one that came to the States about 35 years ago. And, uh, so we go to Australia a lot because the whole family's there. Mostly in Sydney, he has a, just a sprinkling of relatives in Melbourne, but mainly in Sydney, uh, in the eastern suburbs actually. So mm. Rose Bay, Bondi, you know, Double we Bay. We had an office in Crow's Nest. Oh, you did? I did, yeah, at Wayfront. Um, we had a customer, and one of our first seven customers, Video Paintbrush, was from Australia, from Sydney. Uh, computer animation, and I was like, I'm, I just, I'm not going to go there, right? It's too far away. And it was another 10 years, and then I got invited to speak at a big conference, and I went there and I said, hold it, what was I? I felt like I lost <laughs> I 10 years. I mean, it's exactly. spectacular, it's right? It's so amazing. I, I love it there so much, and we, we usually go about once a year. We were going more when Jeff's parents were quite elderly and ill. He was going over six times a year mm, at that point. Mm. But um, yeah, so the whole family's there and it's really special. And it's cute with the kids because 
our kids have an American accent, and then all the cousins have Australian accents. Uh, and my kids used to say when we'd go over there, Mommy, we want to talk like our Australian cousins. <laughs> and the Australian cousins were saying, Mommy, we want to speak like our, you know. So it was cute. They both wanted each other's accents. And it was a nice reminder also to, to our kids that sometimes when we meet people from other countries, we say they have an accent. But actually, we also have an accent. We right. have an American accent. And so it was a nice um realization for the kids to realize that there's lots of different accents and we actually have an accent to other people as well that are from other countries so that was kind of fun for them. How has the Australian flavor pervaded because you, you like right in the first sentence of your yeah. website you know you get that loud and clear um, what's that what's the vibe that translates into a bakery? Yeah, it's an interesting story because when my Australian family used to come to the States, they would go off coffee for the time they were here. They just couldn't, you know, this is 20 years ago, you all know what I'm talking about. There just wasn't <laughs> great coffee, and so they just went off. So when we were going to open the Australian coffee house and bakery, one of our main points was we wanted to do the coffee like they do it in Sydney. Right. And so. A dear friend of ours who's a roaster grower actually sourced the beans from the southern hemisphere where they get them to do the coffee and then they roast differently there. And then Jeff and I, my husband and I, both went to barista school in Sydney. What? So, he, so he's a perinatologist. He's a physician. I'm a high-risk pregnant. He's a what? He's a perinatologist, okay. an MD. And I'm a high-risk pregnancy nurse. And so here we are at barista school. We had the best time <laughs> in Sydney. It was such a blast. And, well, and also um, you're drinking really high-quality coffee the whole time. So, <laughs> he, Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So... Um, and when our, when our family came over after the bakery had opened, we were really concerned about our, my sister-in-law, Hillary, is kind of a coffee snob. She, she's very particular. And we were all shaking in our boots as we were preparing her, her uh, cappuccino three-quarter cup full, you know, and we took it to her and she, and she gave us a double thumbs up and we actually have it on our blog when she was happy after drinks. So we said, we've, we've done it. So the coffee's been a really special thing. And then a lot of our breakfasts are also Sydney style. And what is that? What is Sydney style? Mean? Well, you know, have you have you noticed when you're in Sydney that breakfast is kind of like dinners in New York here? Breakfasts there are so creative. It's like mm. when I go to Sydney, I have breakfast out every single day we're there because it's like an adventure in eating. They do huh. the most amazing different kind of things and that are beautiful with fresh uh, local ingredients and things like that. So we have taken a lot of our breakfast menu comes from the cafes in Sydney and um, and then also some of the, just the kind of English recipes that I grew up with. But so yeah, there you go. There's the Sydney connection. It's all there, the family mainly. Your, um, your bakery is right across the street from one of the top farmers markets in California, if not the United States. Um, how has that bounty helped? You know, um, when we first opened, we've been open now just over four years, which thank you very much, community, for that. We've had great community support. Um, the Saturdays really kept us going because the, the, the farmer's market is so beautiful and so busy, and people saw the bakery, the organic bakery came over the and ate. The pink building. The pink, the pink yep, building. love it. And uh, they came over and, and um ate and loved it and we've just been growing and growing now um, there's other things we do as well so Saturdays are a piece of a bigger puzzle but 
that Saturday crowd really is what, you know, those first two years of starting a business, as we all know, are, are the hardest. And so... And a restaurant business, I was just reading uh, that there's a new owner of uh, Cielito in, in La Arcata, and they were just kind of talking about how tough it is. Restaurant business is tough. It's tough. Period. I mean, that, that my background was that. And doing it in a high rent district is is very tough surviving four years is like you know you're defying all the odds yes congratulations so on thank that thank you so much we're really grateful we've had tremendous community support and as you know when you serve organic product the ingredients that you're using cost about four times. I know you also have this experience. Yep. It's about four times as expensive as using regular ingredients. And um, and so about three years in, we did a little survey with our customers. Um, we said, we either have to raise our prices just a bit so that I can keep the low margins because our margins are tighter than other restaurants and cafes because we use organic ingredients. And overwhelmingly, um, the survey came back saying we want you to stay organic and and if you need to raise a bit do it and so we did and we've been well supported and it's working really well so we feel very lucky and we're happy working so, hard so you you both are in medical profession yes and you say well oh, there's no good coffee here uh, or something <laughs> like that what exactly. tell, tell me tell me about them we're, we're all on the show we're, we're really interested in this the spark of you know where that spark was that led to that thing you're doing now. Tell yeah. me, is there a, a, an origin story here? You know, I love to work is one of the things. I love that that balance of work and play. Like okay. people sometimes say, when are you gonna retire? And I said, you know, I don't know that I'll ever retire because I really love everything I do. And, um, and so, you know, when we had the opportunity to um, purchase this building, um, we, my last child had gone to college, and so instead of working, you know, 30 hours a week at that point, um, now I'm working about 60. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and so the timing was really good, too. And I'd had a gift basket business, an organic gift basket business, for 15 years prior, so we just didn't have brick and mortar. We were working out of a rented space, and I always wanted my own space. Um, and then also Angel's Foster Care, which I had started and grown, um, was turning into a part-time position for me. Um, and so I just had the time to be able to move into this area that I wanted to do as well. So it was a timing thing with kids growing up and having a little bit more time. You see that ready. empty nest coming and you're like, oh, there's going to be another 60 hours a week. Freeing <laughs> exactly. themselves up, right? At least 60 hours a week when, when those kids are all off in college. No, as we all know, we still are very involved with them at that point, but we're not bathing them and you know, having to cook their meals and stuff. It's a little easier. Food service is, is a really hard business. I, I remember working with a chef, and I'd put in 80 hours. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was whining. And <laughs> he, he said, how many hours are in a week? Yeah. I did the math. I said, 160. You worked 80? Work in half time. Go back to work. <laughs> it's like, what? It's like, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's how it is. The I got it. The other thing I noticed when I opened the bakery was I lost about 10 pounds in 
two months. At a bakery. At a bakery. (laughs) So you have to understand. And I realized that I was forgetting to eat sometimes, Uh, too. So so I don't recommend it as a diet plan, working (laughs) at a bakery 60 hours a week. But I actually, it was kind of funny. That um, I did manage to put that back on, so we're all good now. Back at the average, <laughs> but, but the first year was just ridiculous. You know, I just was. Oh my goodness! What was so. the biggest surprise? I mean, you knew it was a lot of work. You, I mean, yeah. you stated your very first thing. I love to work. So, mm-hmm. so that's we we got that part. What was the biggest surprise? Because you you think about what you went to school for in medical, right? Mm-hmm. And all the things that you saw in that, and then starting a nonprofit and all that. But now doing bakery and all of it's good. And you've done the gift business. Yeah. It was very different. What's the biggest surprise? Um, I would say there's more crossover than differences, but I think, I think just the ongoing time and work commitment and, you know, in, in my professional life where I'm trained in the medical side, I was also a unit manager, so I'd had the management experience already, and that was really helpful mm, because that mm. translates into anything you do. Sure, you know sure, how that is. Sure. But, um, but I think just the ongoing, because other projects I've done in the past, I would set them up, I would train the staff, I would support for a few years and then start stepping out. And I would say with this, with this particular um, business, it's much more hands-on than some of the other things I've done. I would say that was one of the the biggest surprises I had is that just, you know, there's things that come up all the time. Um, You know, you just get shorted on a food order and it sends you scrambling. You know, you expect to get this and you get that. And so there, as you know, with restaurants, it's just, there's a lot of moving parts, I would say. Um, And so, yeah. But I, but I love it, and um, the surprises that come along and the things that I have learned um, have been positive. And, and I look at change and having to be flexible and, ch- and change what you're doing a little bit as being positives rather than negatives. I'd say in my 20s, I probably would have viewed that as maybe being a negative. But now, um, I really enjoy that process of figuring things out. Of being shorted six flats of strawberries. That, that's <laughs> not as fun. But yeah, you know, we when have you have a, a saying, wedding cake that you've got to finish by the end of the day. We have a saying that any time there's a adversity of, of any kind, small, medium, large, we just, my wife and I look at this, ah, this is an opportunity to train. That's right. Every, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, she'll, she'll say that. Because we have one of our masters, one of our trainers, He'll say that. I'm really tired. Ah, that's an opportunity to train. That's it's right. Like, oh, okay, grasshopper, Training. I get it. That's so <laughs> so that that's what we're going to do. You know, the other thing that's interesting is that the perspective I think with the medical side is, um, you know, I've been in labor and delivery, and I've and I'm also an labor an and OR delivery nurse. in the sense of labor and babies. delivery and babies. <laughs> we take care of babies and and newborn, yeah, and laboring women and C sections and surgeries and. You know, sometimes scary things happen sure. where you're rushing and hurrying. So I know what an emergency is. I know what that looks like, and, mm-hmm. I, and I've done that, and I've been calm through that. So now in the kitchen, you know, when it gets a little crazy back there or whatever, and I look and my staff think someone is dying, I, I always <laughs> remind them, cause, and they laugh about this, but I always remind them, like, you know, no one is dying here. Right. We're making beautiful food. Let's just make the food 
great, and it's better that there's an extra five minutes before we give them their beautiful food, but no one's dying here, guys. Keep this in perspective, and I think, I think one of the great things about being 50 is that I have some perspective that I may not have had when I was like 20 mm. or even 30, mm. and I really love that. I really enjoy knowing when you really need to worry and when you don't. Is your staff mostly 20-year-olds, I'm going to guess? No, my staff are fabulous. Oh, my gosh. My staff, not the 20-year-olds aren't also fabulous. We have a couple of people that are 20, but my staff's been with me since I opened. Okay. I have two pastry chefs. One's in her early 30s and one's in her early 40s. And then my barista is 50. And they are amazing women that are just also so strong and gifted in what they do. And um, and then we have other wonderful staff too, but they're kind of my core and they've been with me since we opened. And I value them very much. They're very important to what we do. This, uh, we're always also trying to figure out the lessons learned here because we have so many different types of people on the show. And mm -hmm. I, I love this calmness because do you meditate? Um, I, I do meditate, but not in the sense of yoga, it, which is what you may be thinking of. I I'm thinking meditate just like sitting with, down for 15 minutes and being um, quiet with yourself. I do it more with um, kind of my spiritual part of my life. Um, I like to read the scriptures, like any scriptures, it doesn't matter, but that's my time, and I, do, and I try and do that daily. So where did the calm, did the calm come from your, it, I, I could imagine uh, we had a grandson who's going to be three and he was two weeks in the neonatal oh, unit and geez. there were issues and all of that That's stuff. Hard. And so, so I, I, I get that that spark of life can get snuffed up, you know, and, and so that's the sense of urgency and emergency mm -hmm. and all of that. D was there... Were you calm right off the get-go, or no. was that something you saw in others and you learned that? It was a learned thing for me. I run very high octane. You're probably this way too, I would guess. A little bit. I'm a bit of a red personality naturally, and, um, and I run very high octane, and my brain's busy all the time. Sure. So it's something I had to learn. Um, and for me, I know everyone has different ways that they do that, but for me, it's come from that quiet time I have when I read and reflect and also um, just um, the, for me, it's also a perspective that I believe I have, a, that there's a higher power. And, um, and that has helped too because I turn a lot of things over that I don't have control over and that frees up my mind a bit as well. And then just life. I think life, living life through these years and knowing that um, I don't want to waste any time on negativity or sp spinning thoughts or wasting. Um, I just want to have positive, you know, emotional energy, and I want to be a help to those around me, and I feel like I can't do that if I'm very wrapped up in myself or wrapped up in worrying about things or something. So experience, I think, too. Do you have a take on the different kinds of challenges you've had as a woman running your business? Um, or do you think that's not, that's not been an issue for you? I would say at this stage in my life, it has not been an issue. 15 I years would, ago when you were doing the gifts. 15 years ago, 
there were certain things in my consulting business and other things I've done. Consulting, I didn't. This yeah, is new. which didn't hear about which that. is a long time ago. <laughs> so, but um, th- where I think sometimes being a woman had some benefits actually, okay. and sometimes some negatives. But um, you know, I just feel like if I in the past, if I and now too, if I just deal with things straight on and honestly and and don't I just have been someone who I just don't have a chip on my shoulder about anything I just want to work hard and I found that that's usually met with positivity and so um, I think the biggest thing is sometimes I I operate a little bit that I've been told that I operate a little bit like a man in some of my communication because I'm barely direct and that sometimes can be difficult for other women. Mm. Um, I don't always phrase things like, oh, you know, this and this and this is so wonderful. And by the way, would you mind doing this? <laughs> I sometimes just say, I need this now and this is what we're doing. And and then later when we're not in the middle of a crisis or something like that, then I can discuss with them and explain my reasoning. But I think sometimes coming from a woman when, when there's direct... Um, communication given or direct sort of this is what we need to do right now this way um i think sometimes people who don't know me can sort of be like whoa but but if you maybe if you said it or if you know if you said it coming from a man it would have just been more normal so i think that's one thing that i'm aware of that i have to go back sometimes and talk to people afterwards and say i i'm not rude or anything like that in my directives but i'm sometimes just you skipped over the part with where women you, we sometimes so, yeah. soften people at mm-hmm. first and then we ask for what we need and i have never done that i sort of just say what i need and we're I'm in very the delivery direct. room it's like There's well no, no let time. me explain why exactly. i need the, the to move your leg this way now. Right, yeah. Yeah, no. michelle right. so you've been in business now four years and yep. you're, you're and and that in itself uh, uh beats all of the statistics out there for any kind of food service, you know, like that they all fold within the first year. Is there a vision for uh, expansion and growth? Is there, uh, or or are you still just trying to perfect what it is that you guys do at Recipe Bakery? Is it, is there the look of new options or? We've been asked um, to open in another city south. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have not, uh, I'm not doing that right now. I um, I also still am heavily involved about 20 hours a week with Angels Foster Care. I'm their mm-hmm. executive director, and then I have some people that I've brought in in the structure that do the rest of the things. So that kind of takes up that what would be a second business. In but I'm very clear that I don't want to do more than 60 hours a week right now. <laughs> sure. Um, I know you did 80. So, yeah. Mark, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I don't want to do I more I didn't than own the 60. joint. I was just a line cook. so was <laughs> There wasn't as much choice in that possibly at that yeah. time. No. Yeah. But um, I, I want to have a balance, too, mm-hmm. where, you know, I'm, I'm with friends and family and, um, and I love to travel as well. So I have to make sure that I'm not overdoing it. And so the this, one shop is really. The one shop right now is it for yeah. me. Um, we have some other opportunities. I'm not going to say never, but right, right now, no. I'm really happy with what I have and what I'm doing. So and a lifestyle business. My, it's a lifestyle. And also, you know, my employees are happy. They're doing well. Angels Foster Care is doing well. And I need to make sure that my choices aren't going to impact the mm-hmm. people that are already 
involved with me in my nonprofit as well as my business that I actually earn a we, living at. We can so. see that expansion sometimes. I mean, there's even old sayings about, you know, uh, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. You know, the whole idea of like, exactly. like, like, like reaching for too fast, accelerating too quickly and, right. f- and forgetting maybe those priorities. Yeah. That, and that I think really also find. being happy with what we have is an mm. important aspect of living well and happily is really appreciating what's happening right now. And I'm not really, although I have a five-year plan, I always do just from a, you know, business person's perspective, but um, I'm really happy with where I am right now. And I feel very fortunate to be able to have this bakery. I remember right after we finished the construction and we opened eventually, it took a year to get everything done and then Mm -hmm. open, you know how it is, it takes a long time to source and get everything set up and get your staff trained and blah, blah, blah. And when we, when we opened, I remember I was in the bakery by myself and everyone was gone and it was quiet. And I just looked around and I was right. just like, oh my gosh, look at this, look at this little bakery. <laughs> this right? is like a fairy tale you with, with a lot of work. I mean, yeah. like yeah, sort yeah. of a fairy tale where I'm Cinderella, but right. it's so fabulous. And it's exactly, and I've always thought, wouldn't it be great someday to have my own brick and mortar, my own place. And, and so I just love it. And even when we're working and it's crazy and somebody calls in sick and I have to cover and whatever, I still really love it. I think the part though, that takes it from just being the, the imaginary, like you, you, you imagined it into existence. Yes. But then four years later, it still exists. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not, there's a lot of people that imagine into existence, these small businesses, but then to have them still you know, providing for the employees four years later and still have the same employees four years later, mm-hmm. that's unique. That is, you know, well, very is. strange. And I think, too, um, there's a timing issue mm-hmm. to things in your in our lives, right? Like, I've been thinking about having a place like this for probably 25 years. So there was a lot of refinement mm. that went into that that, But that it vision. wasn't the right time, and right. I didn't resent the time I was spending doing the other things I was doing. I chose those, too, right? Yeah. But... But eventually things, there's a timing like, I remember one time a young mother was saying to me, you know, you've started Angel's Foster Care and I, I'm just kind of doing this. And I just said to her, I was doing exactly what you were doing when I was your age. Like there's a timing to things. We can't sure. do everything at once and our lives unfold and it's such an adventure. Like I still feel like I'm having an adventure and mm, I know that there's mm. things in front of me and it's, it's just very exciting. So, um, it's great being 50 and it's great having that perspective. What's I the, really love it. What's the scope of angels foster care? Like how, what, what is the, what, what gets done through angels um, foster care? Angels rescues abused, abandoned and neglected babies and toddlers in our community that need homes. Mm-hmm. And we're licensed by the state of California to recruit, train, and screen families carefully. And then they just take one placement mm. and they care for that little person the whole time they're in the dependency system so they don't get moved. So rather than, yeah, rather than hopping around, the, the old story of hopping around from exactly. home Exactly. And they're the only foster child in the home as mm. well. So, so they get a lot of attention and love and there aren't other kids coming and going because, mm-hmm. as you know, stay, huh? usually... Um, We ask our families to give a 12-month commitment to care for the child, and then if they're adopting, the children stay forever. If the children end up being um, released for adoption, then that family gets to adopt that child if they wish. So So. does the state then then come to you and say, we have 
we have this child we need to place. Yeah. Child Welfare Services calls us with yeah. the kids under two oh, and wow. says we have a baby that we need a home for. Huh. And then we How does get that just not rip your match. heart out when you – I mean, I, I don't know that I've got the emotional <laughs> resiliency to, to, to de- just to handle week, that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's tough. You know, the stories when the kids are coming in are very um, heart-wrenching. And, um, you know, like one time we got a call from the police in CWS that they'd found a baby under the bu- under a bush at the oh, Botanical geez. Gardens. And, um, you know, you just think, wow, it, it just kind of is um, foreign to our ability to even comprehend. But because you know, we weren't some, in that position, we, we weren't in that position, that, and yeah. and there are there are um, people in our community that that for one reason or another can't care for their children. Just, right, just. And so we're there for that. And then social services offers those biological parents services to try and get them safe. And if they get safe, then they reunite. And if they don't get safe, then the babies are adopted. But the great thing about Angel's foster care is the child is not in the midst of that tornado. The child mm. is in a safe, loving home where they can learn to bond and attach. And um, and and then they have a place to stay. If the parents can't get safe, they have mm. this family that's been nurturing them and loving them that, that ends up adopting them. So it's been a really big um, wonderful part of my life the last 11 years. 11 years. Mm-hmm. And Angels is having their 10-year anniversary this year. It took me a year to get it set up. That's why I'm saying 11. That's how, that's how 501c3s happen. That's takes, right. It takes, it takes about a yeah. year mm-hmm. to get everything. We had, to be, we had a lot of technical things to do because we had to be licensed by the state of California, sure. which the, my nursing background came in so handy. I it's bet. funny how, you know, experiences that you've had lead you up to, like, Mark, with this, you yeah. know, look at yeah. all the things you've done that have led you to now just be this professional and doing a podcast and all the other wonderful things you do in the community. But it didn't all happen when you were 18 years old, right? Mm-hmm. It's things that you've yeah. learned. And that's kind of how it's been with me, too. And a big part of what I want to do is, um, I love the idea of combining a business that's bringing in an income, the bakery, with a nonprofit in the community. We do a lot of partnering with Mm -hmm. Angels Foster Care, but also other children's services. We love to support children in the community that need one thing or another. Um, Give us an example. um, Well, for instance, we supply, you know, gift cards and other um, things for auctions and stuff for fundraising for Calm. We love um, s- the schools. You know, many of the elementary schools come to us to help with events they're doing to raise funding for the band or for other programs in the schools where they need funding. And so we'll donate items and gift certificates for them to be able to raffle and raise money and other things. cupcake sales and things like that. And doesn't that just seem like obvious business practice? Like, shouldn't every business in every community, shouldn't that be the practice of every business in every community is to reach out and say, let's support some of these young people's programming? Absolutely. And we have, we're so lucky in Santa Barbara because we have, we have so many nonprofits here that we can support, both Mm -hmm. that serve our community and serve the world, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And one of the other programs that we love is the you know the unity shop mm-hmm. we donate all of our food to them um wh- anything we don't sell during the day the unity shop picks up and then makes it available for wow. families who need to come in and get Fantastic. groceries and things um so it's an easy thing for us to do it would be waste 
and instead it's good food. I mean, mm -hmm. we just don't want to serve something that we don't want to sell something that's, you know, a day old or something the next day. And so it's a great kind of partnership where we're not wasting, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, just a technical question yeah. on that, uh, being a food guy. So organic food doesn't have preservatives. So do you have your um, supply chain has got to be pretty tight to get food in fresh use and because it's not going to last forever. That's another problem you've got. So you've got a, a spoilage or, you know, issue that you've got to manage, right? Correct. So what we do is, and, and this may be helpful to someone who's listening who has um, food products that they're selling. Um, we, anything that doesn't sell goes into a freezer and we have a specific area that's for the Unity Shop. So it goes directly into the freezer so that um, then Unity Shop can pick it up and put it out. Um, the days that they pick up, they put it out and it goes yeah. because it's not, it's they, they serve right. hundreds of people and this is maybe enough, you know, baked goods for you know, maybe 10 families. So, I mean, it's going to go the day they put it Because you're out. not, the, the waste you're talking about, you, you've been running this business for a couple of years now. Right. You're not, you're not overshooting every day, you know, like, no, like we, by right. we right. have we do have excess every day, but not a ton of excess. Right, right. But, but, you know, it, it really does add up by the time they pick up twice a week. So it goes directly into the freezer. And then when they take it and put it out, it's at room temperature by then. And it's good for a couple days. I mean, right. baked mm -hmm. goods will be good for a couple days. It's just, I can't sell them in my bakery because right. I have to maintain that very high standard of just baked items. But um, yeah, so it works out. It's a wonderful partnership. And so I think for businesses, as we look at areas of partnering in the, in the nonprofit sector, we'll find things, you know, whatever we do, we're going to find um, nonprofits that match us, that sort of fit in with what we're doing already. And it just works out. And it's are there other do you do you have a little cohort of um, business owners that you can talk about business challenges with or opportunities or do you have some friends in business that you know you you meet occasionally or they come over and have coffee? Yes, um, I have some friends that are doing different businesses, right? Um, and a couple that are doing food service businesses, and it is really helpful to talk about some of the challenges and whatnot. The other place that I really have found um, people who have like interests with my vision of how I want to do things is at the Business Giving Roundtable, you know. Um, that's one of my favorite places to connect with business owners because they have my same view of wanting to also give back in the community and how can we partner and do things that help the nonprofit sector. and. I have to say I'm a baby in that regard. I feel like there's these giants that are in this program and I've learned so much from them about how to partner with um, nonprofits in the community where it's not only great because we're not wasting or we're giving back and things like that, but also it's been a tremendous boost to us from a perspective of marketing and it's sort How's of- that? Well, you know, when we when we do something for an auction, say at Roosevelt Elementary or something, and they're and they're pleased that we're helping them out, which we would do regardless, of course. But also the parents there are like, oh, I didn't know about that little pink bakery. I'm going to go check them out. Look, they're doing all this so that our kids can have, you know, um, this in the band program or this in the arts program or this in the. And so I do think that there's 
the community notices when a business is engaged with kids in our community or whatever they're helping with. And and it really, you're trying to give and do the right thing, but you end up getting a lot back in return as well. And you're freely giving. You're not, this isn't, uh, okay, part of our marketing plan is that we're going to have this nonprofit <laughs> right. thing and we're going to do this thing because right. that's, you know, that this is, or just use this, this is organically come out of your yeah. worldview. Exactly. And, seen, and we would and, do it anyway. But I do have a budget because one of the things I learned at the Business Giving Roundtable is you need to budget for this. And so we actually have line items for for the giving so that we also make sure we're being fiscally appropriate so well, you we have a stay business. in business. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. But, but other than that, yeah, and that's been really helpful is just sort of making sure that we're tracking this stuff and we do do that. And it's helped me gauge what we're doing. Can we do more? You know, that kind of what thing. What do your employees think of this? They love it because at staff meetings, we have um, at one of our staff meetings quarterly, we meet every month as a staff, but um, quarterly we have a staff meeting where it's our giving staff meeting. Uh, and we have, we get hundreds so you have, of you've, you've asks. You systematize this. Yes. And so the staff picks the people that we're going to give to that quarter up to the amount of budgeted funds that we have to give away. So they're involved in that process. And um, that seems that's been organized. really I like fantastic. That, yeah. That's also come from the business giving. Well, you learned that, right? I mean, that's me. right. Yeah. I, I had, we were giving, we weren't doing it in, it wasn't as organized as it is now. And it's really made us much more efficient. And, and the staff feels much more invested in what they're doing. And then we also have a training program. Mark, you heard this when we had our meeting a couple months ago, um, where we work with jobs training in the city. They send us someone who needs to gain some work experience, and mm -hmm. then um, they're trained in the bakery, and then we, we leave, they leave with a letter of recommendation and some skills so that when they go to their interview to get a job somewhere, they have some skills already, right? Um, which has been helpful because um, we also want to help people be able to be employed. So that's been another area that didn't cost us anything that our staff's been able to get involved with in training, and that's been really, really positive as well. I think I think there's a certain moment when you've been in business long enough that you you forget kind of the very first job, and the mm. and, and I have I have looked at resumes uh, from young people for internships. And, and looking at that resume where you realize, like, man, you got nothing? You've yeah. got nothing but your name and some volunteer work through your church. How can that be? You haven't, you've never, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm the first employer you've ever spoken to. I'm the first, this is the very first job you're ever going to get in your life. You don't have a letter of recommendation from anywhere. You don't have uh, an understanding of how to turn it. You've never filled out a, 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 a timesheet, yeah. you know? And so, yeah. like, looking yeah. at, and so it's like having, having that very first, you can't uh, under overestimate how powerful it is to have that first letter of rec, that first experience with an employer that really teaches you something. But we, we all Absolutely. forget it because we've just been, well, it's been 20 years since I've ever had to, like, walk in someplace, you know, fresh and brand new. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah, that's invaluable. Yeah. Unbelievably invaluable. It's fun. And we also have worked with um, some foster youth that are teens, that are seniors, that are going to be graduating. Yeah. And they, you know, They've they got to have need something some real. work experience mm -hmm. because yeah. they're going to be starting university right. or city college or going into a technical training yeah. program. It's just, it's just really helpful. So They need to be able to demonstrate they can show up. Absolutely. Yeah. So someone who's listening right now, because we have people listen here in the region, 
but also half of our listeners are outside the region and half of them are outside of the United States. So there's people all over the world. How does, so someone is inspired by this, this, this idea, okay, I've got a business, but a certain uh, very calculated percent of that business is towards giving back in whatever that might look like, sure. right? Whatever that looks like. How does someone get started in that? Because I know the Business Giving Roundtable is very unique to this region. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, there's a lot of things in Santa Barbara that are unique here. Yes. But we're hoping to export these good ideas out to other places. How would someone, what would you say the three things that they should do? They're, they're motivated. What's their call to action? That, that's really important. So no matter where you are, you know what your area of focus is when you want to help. You know, my area happens to be children. That's mm -hmm. just my area. But for other people, it may be patients that have cancer or someone who maybe has addiction issues or maybe someone who has, there's so many areas. So the first thing is look at what you're interested in and what you're passionate about and then choose that area of focus because there's such a broad need in all communities of the world that you can't meet every need. So my mother used to say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? right. So we're going to find the thing that we're most interested in. Then we're just going to pick one recipient that we think is a match for us in the area that we've identified. And we're just going to try and do something that we can do, whatever that is. It can be as small as maybe having a teenager come in to train with you that doesn't cost any money. Or it may be something where... Um, you can let your employees have a certain number of paid volunteer hours where they can go out into the community and help. So just find one thing, just one, and start with that. And the third one? And then the third one, I think, is um, in your business, set some organization in place with um, a focus that you actually write down and bring your staff into it. Maybe it's at a staff meeting or whatever. If you have even one other employee, bring them in and and include them in this process because it's really powerful when you have your whole group around this area that you've identified that you want to help with. So involve your staff too, or your family if it's your if it's a family business. Bring your family into it and involve others. And finding that, um, you know, we're going to budget, you know, 8% of our time or our profits or in some mm -hmm. case the 1% for the planet, whatever sure. that is. Whatever you can do. And sometimes it's no money. It's it's an allotment of training and time, whatever right. your fit right. is. Right. But every single business can find one thing they can do. You know, maybe it's that they offer, um, you know, t on Tuesday, senior citizens get a free cup of coffee or something. I mean, there's something. just, everybody can do something, just one thing. And if you just do one thing, that's one thing that's getting done. It doesn't take much. We don't have to do everything, but one thing would be great. Just get started. I, I want to end it on that. <laughs> that was perfect. Well, luckily you get to. I do. I get to do that. Uh, 45 minutes come and gone again, uh, just just like that. But uh, I have I have another question. What, I know what a flat white is, because when I went to <laughs> Sydney for my first time, and I said, oh, I'd like a latte, daddy. what? And they're like, oh, he wants a flat white. And I said, okay, great. Uh, so now I know what a flat white is. What the heck's a long black? <laughs> That's a good question. A long black is espresso and water, 
And so it's like an Americano kind of, but the long black, they it's just a richer, smoother drink because they roast their beans a little differently than we do here in the States. And also, um, then they can have milk or cream with that if they wish, but a long black is just espresso and water, similar to an Americano, but a little not, stronger. But they're not going to call it an Americano because no. they're in Australia. And, it, and it's oh! awesome. And that's right. <laughs> and they... <laughs> They do. There is some slight differences with yeah. amount of water and some other things, but sure. we won't go into that on the air right now because there's no. And time. what's a baby chino? A baby chino is where you. She take, just lit up audience. Yeah, so she was like, like, "Oh, what is it's this? It's so toddlers. Cute. It's toddlers. so cute. And we put it in a tiny little cup, and it's the froth off when you foam for a cappuccino. Right. Which is, and our foam is like marshmallow. It's beautiful. It's not all airy and bubbly and obnoxious. And it's like a marshmallow, you and you take it off, and you put it into this little cup so it's not hot, and they don't burn their mouths because it's just the foam. Mm -hmm. And then you sprinkle a little chocolate on top, and oh they eat gosh. it with a spoon, and they love it. That's called the baby chino. Take your babies chino. to Recipes Organic Bakery and Gifts. Get a baby chino. I have one final last. I'll probably have more final questions. <laughs> um, I we have we have guests come to Santa Barbara all the time, or. We, um, we do kind of welcome baskets for clients. And so I like to go and, and source Santa Barbara local things or regional local things. And so we have olives and Fantastic. we have um, pistachios, we have biscotti, we have um, Santa Barbara bars now. Um, we have the, the, there's an energy drink that the name is escaping me. Um, what other Santa Barbara things are there you found people love to have in gift baskets? Well, you know, one of our best sellers, of course, are the cinnamon rolls. Mm. Those are killers. So we put those they in our gift well? baskets. If you're shipping, we would use quick breads. So we would do more of the short breads and things like that that are made at the bakery. But um, the cinnamon rolls for local deliveries have been amazing. And we ship all over the country, but I don't ship the cinnamon rolls because we want to eat those day of. But the cookies and stuff, the shortbread cookies, and the mini loaves like coffee cakes and banana bread loaves and carrot pineapple loaves, those all ship really well. So I love that. Yeah. So uh, we've come to the part of the show where we get to wrap a bow around this episode. And uh, our listener has been waiting 45 minutes for this part. Did you know that? <laughs> yes, they do. Um, and the, what we do right now is we're going to give a name to this conversation. So we're going to call it into being. We've had this conversation. We're going to give it a name because it's going to show up in the web and it's going to have a life that's going to live forever because it's on the Internet. What should we call this show? I think we should call it Do One Thing. What do you think? Do you have ideas? Do one thing. Because I want people to go just pick one thing that they yep. can do to help. I like the assertiveness of that idea. Sometimes there's a lot of hemming and hawing, but I appreciate how, how specific that, that statement is. We, um, we, so the, on the spectrum of answers, we get the, oh my gosh, and then the bam, you just nailed it. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank I'm you, so Mark. glad to have Michelle. met you. And I so think that- nice to meet you both. Uh, I want to hear- people's, I want to hear what their one thing is, but I, I want to hear businesses who have take kind of take this challenge, right? It's figure out like for me, it's um, uh, working at, well, it's the 805 Connect project is a big part of it, but uh, specifically the, it's, it's also TEDx is that, but the other one now is I'm mentoring high school kids uh, at Santa Barbara High and I 
I have so much joy out of just like, hey, you get a half hour, come over and you're going to be tight and crisp and I want to know what you're asking. So I coach them up before they come for their, their time. And I'm so proud of them when they, they nail it and they start, let me get this one kid now, he's finishing my sentences, (laughs) which is spectacular because I know he's processing figuring that out and it's hitting all the right buttons for him and he's putting his it's not like he's just I'm telling him what to do no I'm just that I'm that push that little bit of a push that they need right and yes, so it's absolutely to your point I just I love doing that one hour at a time with kids thank you so much thank we you appreciate so much it. this has so been really enjoyable. how do we find you on the interwebs um it's recipesbakery.com and for and the for angels, angels it's angels fostercare.org. Perfect. So here's someone who started a nonprofit and started a business and you're, you, know, you said, you freely said you're 50. That's rare. Uh, so I love being that's, 50. Yeah, there you go. Very right? happy. Nice. That's great. You're comfortable in your skin. Yes. I love that part. Well, I also want to thank, again, California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services for our um, for this uh, amazing opportunity to be able to have these conversations, and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for this great studio, and Cielo 24, who provides the searchable captions for the show. The 805 Connect project, uh, now in our third year, is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. I want to thank all of them as well. More information on what we're doing is at 805connect.com. And Patrick, um, our, our listener is waiting to hear from you to give them uh, that little tidbit of how they could help, because they want to help. They want to do one thing today. Yes. Uh, well, uh, that one thing I think that they could do today, besides calling your mom, I don't say that nearly enough, give your moms a call. They're in desperate need of a phone call from you. And by that, I mean involve them in your life. Uh, it'll be very rewarding. But otherwise, go back uh, to the beginning of this podcast, find the rate, write, review, find, uh, throw us some stars, let us know uh, how we're doing and what we're doing right. Uh, write to Mark, let him know uh, your show notes. He takes show notes constantly here. Uh, I hope that some of you are keeping track of this show and let him know uh, how we can make this a little bit better. I was at a Chamber of Commerce event a couple of weeks ago, and people said, what are you up to? And I tell them about the podcast, and I said, and some of them like deer in headlights, and I said, do you have an iPhone? And they go, yep. I said, hand it to me. And they hand it to me, and I bring up the podcast app, I search for 805, and then I subscribe them. And so you could go do that. Uh, I learned that trick from you, Patrick. (laughs) It's my favorite trick. It works really well. Um, I I would love to hear from you personally, so you can send me a note, mark at 805 Connect. So, until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.